This is the future. And humanity is all but extinct. First they start skipping prescribed drug dosages. Then they begin touching. I volunteer as tribute! You can stop this. You can change things. I know that there's something more. Then we've only got one choice. We fight. Fight the future with Dan and Paul. Welcome to the podcast. Each episode we review a young adult dystopia. And I'm Dan. I'm Paul. And this week uh, we're going to be talking about Divergent. But they never say, it's time to get Divergent. No, they don't say like, you know, I've diverged or you're di- you're too divergy. It's a missed opportunity, I would say. Yeah. Like, it's time to diverge this tyrant from her head. Right, right, yeah. There's all sorts of things you could do. This movie is very powered by thesaurus.com, I would say. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The names of the different groups are certainly more complicated than they need to be. So this is a 2014 movie of a book. We're talking about the movie, but we're not doing a movie review podcast here. No. This is about reviewing the dystopia, the world of the dystopia. Which I'm pretty happy with. Like, I, I'm, I, I'm glad... I'm not on a movie review podcast. Why is that? Well, it's just... But what about all the money? It's true. Movie review podcasts are where the money's at. But Mm -hmm. I just, you know, if if it meant that I had to be, you know, watching movies that didn't have the interesting factor of the dystopia behind it. But like if it was a movie of this quality, but it was just like, you know, about people in the present day going about their lives. I don't know if I could take that. Yeah. You may have noticed that our voices sound very similar. And that's because we're brothers. We're brothers. And how can you tell us apart? Well, I'm in Italy, so you may have noticed a certain European flavor. And I am uh, back in Victoria. So I guess I might sound more Canadian. I don't know. Yeah, I think... My year in Italy has cultured me immensely. Well, before Italy, you were in Boston, too. So there's that. There's a little bit of the Boston accent. Yeah. But I'm like a divergent myself, in a way. In a way. In a a very boring way, yeah. (laughs) Very boring way. All right. (laughs) I'll take it. So why don't we get right into it and start by talking about the story. The story. It starts off like... uh, as as so many of these dystopia things start off with like that sort of somber narration that is so good at the beginning, you know, where it's like the world came to an end or the after the war, nothing happened or, you know. When it ended. Yeah. We're in Chicago and we zoom in on Chicago and it's all ruined. Yeah. Or a little bit ruined. The The canals have dried up. It's pretty bad. Some of the buildings have like a bite taken out of them. Yeah. I think there's a smaller population, which we see as in the form of people running around, all with color-coded outfits. Right. And we learn that there's actually five factions that everyone has been divided into, or fazione in Italian, because I watched it in Italian. (laughs) Hence the necessity to sync up on the story. So these five factions are abnegation, which is people who help others, 
Mm -hmm. That's basically all they do, right? Yeah. Live simply and help others. Everyone has a sort of one defining trait. Yeah, so quickly, it's abnegation, amity, candor, dauntless, and erudite. Right, and they're the selfless people, peaceful people, honest people, brave people, and intelligent people. Right, So, and they all have different roles in the society, such as the erudite are the scientists and teachers, amity are farmers. Yeah, uh, abnegation is, uh, are the um, politicians, and candor are like the... the lawyers and judges and stuff. Right. So we open on our heroine, Beatrice, uh, to be later named Triss, mm -hmm. with her family in the abnegation camp. She's coming up to her 16th birthday and a big ceremony. This is where they have to decide what faction they're going to be in, because you can either be in your parents' faction or you can go somewhere else. You can choose, if, if your heart tells you that you're supposed to go somewhere else, then you can do that. Yeah, and so she, there's a test that Beatrice goes through right. to determine which faction she'll be in. Basically, you take a big acid trip and hallucinate a world and where you have to sort of make certain choices and they're monitoring you and theoretically those choices indicate uh, what what faction you're best suited to be in. And it's important to, to note that you cannot change. Yep. Once you've decided on your faction, that is it for your entire life. That's right. And so she takes this test and has an ambiguous dream sequence involving a dog and a running around a mirror. Mm -hmm. uh, and when she wakes up, the lady who's administering the test tells her that she's tested for three different factions. Abnegation, Erudite, and Dauntless. Mm -hmm. And the lady administering the test says, this means you're a divergent and you'll be a target for the rest of your life. You have to decide on one of those three and then pretend that was the thing that you got. So there's a big ceremony where you get to choose what it is you are. Right. So, and the idea is that you, you're strongly recommended to do whatever the test told you to do, but you can choose whatever you want. Beatrice, in the end, chooses to be a Dauntless, and so she's immediately whisked away with her new friends, uh, who wear black and have, like, very minimal tattoos. Black and red, and do things in... So Dauntless are, like, the brave, they're the, the fighters, they're the... the soldiers in the police force and also they're big on doing things in an extreme way they're highly extreme yeah anything they don't they never actually like just walk anywhere they're always like running and doing flips they yep. don't get on they don't just get onto the train the train, the train doesn't stop for them the they, train doesn't stop yeah they have to run and uh that train actually train. shows up quite often and it never does stop i don't think i don't think it's a stopping train it just keeps going around in circles and if you want to get on, you got to run beside it and hop on. Which would kind of make sense if it was just something that they were hijacking or whatnot, but it is actually their train. Yeah. So she goes to this, the Dauntless, and while she does have, you know, Dauntless was one of the three things that she showed some affinity for, uh, it becomes clear that she does not have, she's not as into it as one who is sort of born that way, I guess. 
She doesn't seem that athletic. Yeah. And, you know... And she's immediately set to bare-knuckle fighting. Yeah. Like, this is serious. Like, the UFC doesn't do bare-knuckle fighting. (laughs) Because it's too dangerous. So, yeah. They're they're all subjected to a series of trials where it's a big switcheroo. It turns out you can be kicked out, even though you chose it. And you have to be in one of the five factions. Yeah. And so, you... It turns out that there... There's actually a sixth, not a faction, but a sixth thing that you can be, which is factionless, which seems to be you become a homeless person, which... Yeah, you're dumpster diving. It's seriously bad to be factionless. Yeah, that's the tension of this early sequence of, well, half the movie, really, of training to uh, the series of trials that the Dauntless have to go through. And not a small number of people are going to become factionless. Like, something like a third of all the people who, who signed up to be Dauntless end up becoming faction, or going to end up factionless. Which is... Right. That's, that's harsh. Yeah, it seems wasteful. So some of the trials they go through, they have to d- jump down a pit, showing bravery. They have to fight each other. They have to do uh, marksmanship. And in the process, she meets this cute leader of the Dauntless, or one of the leaders, Quattro, sorry, Four. Four, yeah. Quattro in Italian. And also there's there's sort of the two leaders of their group. There's Four, and then there's this other guy who's a huge asshole. Mm-hmm. His name, I believe, is Huge Asshole. Huge Asshole. Yeah. Okay, I didn't get that in the translation. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so she's kicked out, then she's let back in. Yeah. Uh, they have a round of capture the flag. Right. So, and she sort of uses, uh, it be, it starts becoming clear that, um, the advantage, while she's not, uh, you know, maybe as physically able as the, the rest of the Dauntless, she seems to have an advantage in terms of creativity, possibly. Right. She can think outside the box. Right, yeah. Perhaps. And so she she climbs up on top of like a Ferris wheel uh and sees that uh uh sees where the enemy flag is and so they, they're able to uh they're able to do capture the flag and they win. Uh and she uh you know gets a lot of whatever brownie points for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she's gradually making her way up the scoreboard to not being uh, kicked out. Yeah. So, and then yeah, on the there's whatever how much however much time there is in this first section. It's a little unclear, but uh and but she makes it. You know, at the end of the first section, she is officially, uh, slightly not the worst. I think she's the second worst in the entire group. Uh, then there's a fear test, which is interesting. So that's one of the trials she goes through, is that she has to face her fears again with an injection into her neck and she has a slight bird attack and a slight fire and she shows innate talent right the way she solves these you know the these things where it's like oh my god you're facing your worst fear um she's actually solving these things not by overcoming her fears she's solving them by being like oh this is a simulation it doesn't matter (laughs) by using her intellect her erudite well and and it's also that she seems to be able to sort of see through the the illusion whereas other people can't i think is the idea because she's not a dummy yes so at this point 
she's getting closer to four, who's centering her smoldering looks. He seems to be about 10 years older than Yeah, her. yeah. He's definitely, like, definitely quite he, a lot she's older. She's 16 and he's about 26. Yeah, if not like 30. <laughs> uh-huh. He looks like James Franco looks now. So she goes to visit her brother, highly illegal. Mm-hmm. And her brother is also, he's also not uh, Abignation. He also decided to leave the uh, his family and he's uh, erudite. Her brother gives her some shocking news about the leaders, what they plan to do. Well, yeah, he's he gives her some, he's saying that one of the things that erudite is working on is um, a an advanced form of this, uh, basically the same thing that they're giving people to have them uh, have their worst fears happen, but it's it'll act, it'll actually allow dauntless uh, people to be better sort of controlled uh, and obey orders and stuff. Right. Okay. So that's their plan. But there's something also about the abnegation, right? Yeah, uh, opinion is moving against the Abignation, who, as you mentioned earlier, uh, they're sort of the politicians, and and so the the head of the Abignation is sort of the head of the council of the society, and there's rumors are spreading that they're like hoarding food and doing bad things, or and and they're not sort of fit to be in charge anymore, and the erudite are trying are moving to try and sort of take over. Because they're like, hey, we're the intelligent ones. Doesn't it make sense that the intelligent ones should be in charge? And they're going to use the Dauntless. Yeah, that that a sort of an alliance between the Erudite and the Dauntless will uh, allow them to take control from the Abignation. Right. At this point, she's taken aside by the head of Erudite, played by Kate Winslet, who is uh, Janine. Mm-hmm. And what does she say to her? She sort of makes it clear that she's been actually watching or she's been paying attention to her. She talks about the idea of the divergent and saying that, you know, they're everywhere. and We have to be careful about them. So the next thing that happens is that her and four start drugging up together. He wants her to get into his head. Right. He figures out that she is divergent and shows that he himself is also divergent. Right. By showing her his fears. Mm-hmm. That, and his name four comes from the fact that he has exactly four fears. Right, which is unusually low, I think, is the idea. He has a small, a small number of fears. I would say I have more than four fears. And the four fears that he has are very boring. What are they? Well, heights? They're like heights, confined spaces, uh, killing somebody innocent, uh, and his dad. Abusive dad. Yeah. Uh, and at that point, he takes his shirt off, which is very big for the audience probably, mm-hmm. and reveals the tattoos of all the different factions. Right. Which, he says, I don't want to be just one thing. Which seems really stupid when you consider that divergent people are basically shot on sight. Uh, Poor idea. Seems like, yeah, a poorly thought out plan. The f- the fear test is the last test, uh, which again seems to be a repeat of a previous test, but he tells her don't go too fast or too slow. 
So she plays through that. Right. So the, the trick is she has to do it with everyone else watching and she has to sort of do it properly. She can't just sort of go, well, this isn't real. I'm leaving. And at that point, it's revealed that the last thing that's going to happen to them at this point, they're going to get an injection of a mind control drug, all the Dauntless. Well, they said it's just it, a tracker device, but she figures right. out pretty quickly it's this mind control drug that she heard about before. But it doesn't work on Divergent. Nope. Is that explained at any point? Well, it's the same reason why she can go through the fear test, right? Is that for some reason, whatever the mind control systems they use don't work on divergent people. Okay. So then all the Dauntless are sent into battle. In fact, they're being sent to round up all the abnegation right. and execute them. Yeah. And just they're just straight up killing them all. It's pretty nasty. Yeah, that's horrifying. This part of the movie is quite horrifying, even though you don't really see any actual explicit violence, hardly. And so they blow their cover as being not mind-controlled, Triss and Four, mm -hmm. and are taken away. Right, and then Triss is going to be taken to be killed. Uh, and, dum-dum-dum, her mom kills the people who are going to kill her. Mm -hmm. And turned because she was uh sorry. well it turns out her mom is super kick ass. She used to be dauntless. Yes. Yeah, so she was originally dauntless and changed presumably on her 16th birthday. And so there's a lot of action sequences at this point and both of her parents are shot dead. Yeah. Her dad also pretty hardcore. Uh and yeah. so they the idea is they they're going to break into the break back into the dauntless headquarters. Because that's where uh, Abignation is controlling the Dauntless soldiers from. Mm -hmm. And there they meet up with Janine again, who has some crazy plan to kill all of the Abnegation. Yeah. Uh, and they run across Four, who's now being mind-controlled himself. Right. From He's got like a special super strong one or something that works on divergent people. Mm-hmm. And so... And so, but... Luckily, true love or and she, taking advantage of his fears that she knows about, she's able to overcome his programming or whatever. Yeah, she points the gun at her own head. Right, because she knows that he's afraid of killing somebody innocent. And then they use a mind control drug on Janine, tell her to stop the mass execution. And she goes, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the last we see is uh, them on a train, headed out beyond the wall, surrounding the city. Plausibility. Yeah. So in this portion of the podcast, we talk about how plausible this dystopia is. How do we get here? How does it maintain itself? So there's very little information in the film itself about how uh, this, this faction system came about. Right. right? It's like... It ensures peace. Yeah. Is all they say. There was something bad that happened, and this is the new world order. So, yeah. So, how did it get to be this way? Five. This is the hardest part of the whole thing for me. Though, what I was really hoping when watching, like, the idea, you know, the idea of, like, having the, the five factions, and they were, they were far too uh, similar in terms of the people, you know? 
Like, I was really hoping that it would be like the Abignation people were just like ridiculously selfless and were just like constantly giving everything away. And like when the people, you know, when the Dauntless guys were coming to, you know, shoot them, they were like helping them out and how to shoot them better. <laughs> and, you know, the, yeah, you know, the, the people who never lie, the, the, the candor side, you know, like literally, you know, can't lie or have to just speak whatever's on their mind all the time. And the way it ended up being is, is like you have a slight tendency towards being a nice person or a nice, ten a slight tendency towards jumping around more. So I guess you're in the dauntless one. Like the differences between the factions just did not seem that extreme. And here's something that I thought was strange, which was that there was no special status for the people who'd actually switched, it seemed to me. Mm. Like, it seems like those people would be the most, would stand out in some way. The people who switched from one faction to another. Right. I mean, they are, at the beginning of the Dauntless training, they are sort of separated a little bit. Yeah, but it's not very strong. And it also missed a great story opportunity to show Triss that her abnegation background could be a source of strength. Right. As a Dauntless, she'd be an abnegation-type Dauntless. Right. But no, they didn't do anything like that. Yeah, the abnegation just appeared to be, you know, people just walk all over them all the time. Yeah, they're just born victims, essentially. Yeah. Whereas I like the idea of sort of, yeah, that, that there'd be some, that there'd be some aspect of it that, that she would actually see the benefit of. Yeah, but it was pretty shallow. But there's someone out there on the internet arguing for the abnegation being the coolest, like those Hufflepuff people. <laughs> yeah, abnegation did have a bit of a Hufflepuff feel to it. Okay, but let's think about how this would have started. At some point, did everybody, all the adults, all the children, just get sorted into five categories? Like, was it by family to start with? Yeah. Well, okay, so the actual world itself and the explanation as to why they're in these weird groups and, you know, why they chose these five particular things doesn't seem to be, is not actually revealed in the first book. And in fact, it's only sort of partially revealed in the second book. And it's not until the third book, uh, which, you know, presumably like the second movie is coming out pretty soon. And, you know, presumably they'll be doing a third movie. So it's not, it's going to be a while before the actual sort of big revelation as to why this society is so weird and messed up. So you're about to deliver a major spoiler here, Paul. Yeah, yeah. So this is okay. This lay is it a on bit me. of a twist. Lay it on me. I'm ready. <clears throat> okay, so many years ago, the government believed that society's problems were caused by people's bad genes. In an okay. attempt to create a better society, they began to fix people's genes, but with disastrous results. Okay. Which caused something called the Purity War. So basically people, it, I mean, it's almost, it sounds a little bit like, uh, you know, the, um, what do you call it? Uh, uh, serenity, you know, the thing where they're like, they're trying to do something to make people better and somehow it goes horribly wrong and people just, you know, it just causes this huge, huge war. Everyone's fighting. Uh-huh. To fix this mistake, the government sets up experiments establishing isolated cities across the remains of the United States in the hopes of raising enough genetically pure individuals to fix the genetic damage left in the wake of the purity war. 
those people are the divergent people. So the divergent people are normal people, are people as they are now. Everybody else is messed up. Wow. Yeah. Is your okay? That's a good twist, actually. So okay, so Chicago, and you pointed this out when we were talking about it before. All we see is Chicago. We don't see this broader world. And I fell victim to this whole thinking that's all there was. But in fact, it's actually a little pocket city. Yeah. And it's... That's maintained by the broader government. And there's possibly other sort of experiments that have been set up, you know, at different different cities. I mean, obviously, some bad... Like, this is... Something bad did happen in terms of large portions of the United States at least got messed up during this big war that, that happened 100 years ago. Um, so what that means is that there is a reality to these five factions, that they really are genetically diverse populations. Yeah, which is interesting. Yeah, okay. So that works a little bit better. And at some point, someone taught them to sort themselves out. Right, And but but again, but and then somehow the idea that divergent is good got lost, obviously. <laughs> yeah, they lost the memo somewhere. Yeah. Because obviously, if they continue killing all the divergent people, the um, plan that they're going to use these experiments to increase the population of divergent people in the world won't go too well. Nope, nope. So yeah, something's a little awry. Let's talk about how it maintains itself then. Like, why don't people... Yeah, people stay within their same faction to a huge degree, right? Right, and in fact, like the city seems to be actually like divided up into factions. In terms of different living yeah, in areas, terms of living areas, and they all sort they live in very different. You know, the Abignation have very sort of modest kind of look like kind of mud huts, almost sort of stone yeah. buildings. Somewhere in Chicago, whereas uh, uh, whereas erudite have obviously are apparently just living in uh, labs all the time. I don't know. They always, they, <laughs> I love I love any any like time there. Uh, doing conversations at the erudite stronghold, there's always just like tons and tons of people in the background, just like working at tables and you know, just titrating yeah, stuff, yeah, moving, doing flat screens, moving stuff. liquids from one beaker to another, just doing all sorts of yeah. sciency stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they just have normal apartments. Who knows? <laughs> Whereas the Dauntless live in a rock quarry. Yeah, we don't. And are all under the age of 30. That's true. There aren't a lot of old Dauntless people. And we're not really clear on... So the Dauntless would be the obvious source for maintaining the society. Right. What, what if... But we don't see them... We don't know what the threat is. Yeah, them. what I find interesting is they talk about... Um, like, they talk about the Dauntless are soldiers and police people. And they also... And they talk about, like, depending on how well you do, you'll become either, you know, somebody who has to take care of the or like monitor the faction list and make sure they don't get out of thing or you can be on the wall or you can, but like there's never any indication that there's danger outside the wall yeah so the whole thing is just a hazing right and there's not really conflict between the factions until the events of the movie it seems yeah and it seems weird that like Especially erudite is all, you know, we must maintain the faction system. This is how we've lived and everything is better with the faction system. Also, uh, Abignation should get killed. 
It's like, isn't that part <laughs> of the faction system? Don't we, isn't that, then if we have four factions, won't there just be a bunch of empty stuff? I don't know. It seemed kind of odd that everyone was... Uh, yeah, do you believe in the system or not? Yeah. All right, so plausibility. Um, I mean, it's ridiculous, essentially. People are all wearing the same color clothes. Like, this movie, it really strips out everything that we know about human culture. Like, it strips out that people like to wear different kinds of clothing, mm-hmm. that people make art, that people decorate their homes. Right. All these things are absent from this world. I have a note being like, you know, what? I wonder what... Uh, what faction do, you know, sketch comedians fit into? It doesn't seem to be... <laughs> I mean, like you and your group. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be a, a lot of space for that. There's no clownity. Yeah. Frivolity. Yeah, like, it It, it feels like there's there's a, there's some serious gaps in the um, structure of, like, there's supposed to be a couple extra factions that are now gone or something. <laughs> yeah, maybe they took out five or six other factions that there used to be. And just left the ones with the silliest names. <laughs> scariness. Okay, well, for scariness, I mean, I guess it depends largely on what faction you're in. I mean, being in the Dauntless faction would obviously be terrifying <laughs> because their job seems to be terrifying you at any given opportunity <laughs> in order yeah, to prevent you from being terrified. You f- despite the fact that there's no terrifying thing to fight, mm-hmm. and that when you fight, you will be mind-controlled. Right, right. They didn't seem like super effective soldiers at the end, when they were, like, walking slowly, staring straight ahead. Right. I mean, that... Maybe, but they weren't acting as soldiers, they were just executioners at that point. Although, to be fair, if you have a mind-control thing, why don't you just give the mind-control thing to the abignation and just be like, hey guys, go away. Or do whatever we yeah. tell you to do. Why didn't they tell... Maybe it only worked on Dauntless? Okay, but but that, they're all about fear the Dauntless, so your life is terrifying. Yeah, until you get, I guess until you get over your fears or something. They didn't seem to be big on that. Well, or be able to deal with them. Also, sure. not big on... They're big on, like, physical fears, right? Nobody's, you know, deepest fears seem to be, like giving a speech in front of a crowd or something. Right. right. Well, although they do deal with one major fear, which is when they come into the place for the first time, uh, there's communal toilets mm. with no stalls. So you will be pooping in full sight of everybody. Right. So I guess that's all part of it. <laughs> if your bladder is shy, it won't be by the time you leave here. That would be good. Like, you know, if, if, if like when Triss goes into Four's, uh, you know, she gets to see his fear landscape. And, you know, one of the things he's afraid of is, like, being naked at school or something. Somebody's saying his tattoos are stupid. Yeah. Like, fear of embarrassment doesn't seem to be one of the big ones that they cover. Yeah, there was the, a Buffy episode that did a good job with that. Well, what about fear of puppets? <laughs> like marionettes. Yeah, that's true. Not that I know anybody who has that. Or clowns, Yeah. None of that stuff was addressed. So it was a very bland, very kind of yogified world. Mm-hmm. Even even the Dauntless, who were supposedly so hardcore. I was thinking, like, they're supposed to be, like, extreme in the way they look, and they've all got, like, one eyebrow piercing. Yeah. And a small tattoo on their neck. Okay, scariness, though. So I want to talk about something, which is that um, that moment of choosing in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. 
Like that is a real legit fear. Well, especially if you're going to go, I mean, if you're going to go different from either what your family is or what you were recommended to do, then that's tough. Yeah. It's hardcore. So imagine this big, huge lecture theater. You're all by yourself at the front. You cut your hand with a, a knife and have to drop blood into the symbolic urn. And, uh, this is going to determine your life. Like you literally leave with the faction and, that you and never choose. see your family you again. Yeah, you don't get to say goodbye to your parents. You're gone, and that's going to be who you are, your identity. And what if you choose wrong? Then you could become factionless. Right. I mean, I guess the hope is that you're you did the um, the testing, and you know you they that revealed what your true purpose is, so you're reasonably certain about it, but. Obviously, our heroine is not. It doesn't work for Triss because she has no... So, I mean, obviously what this is pushing, what button this is pushing is people worrying about what major to choose, what college to go to. Right, right. Because I remember that feeling and how gut-churning that can be. And that moment, that moment of, of choosing or having your fate chosen for you does seem to come up over and over again in these... Uh, in these young adult dystopias. I mean, it's obviously something that really is a, is a scene that really resonates with the uh, audience. Yeah. It's a combination of having a choice and also being part of this gigantic system that may crush you, but is, is, is supposed to be where identity comes from. And obviously our hero, her being a divergent is a kind of clumsy metaphor for not being certain about your identity for not wanting to make that commitment, but having to. Mm -hmm. It's implied that everybody else is totally cool with their identity. The non-divergents are very comfortable. Right, even the ones that did switch. But to me, that was a very psychologically true moment. And and that image of, the, we just see a couple of people like sorting through the garbage because they haven't found a faction. Like that's a very real mental image that 18-year-olds think about college have. <laughs> What if I choose wrong? Yeah. I I feel like, I mean, in terms of actual scariness, though, this doesn't seem too bad. Like, I mean, assuming you aren't in the, um, either in the faction that is just about scaring people or, you know. Or the one that's about to be genocided. Yeah, yeah. Presumably, you know, being, being in abignation, you know, when you're not about to be killed by people is not too bad. People seem to have a pretty contented existence in their particular factions, assuming that they are... Yeah, we don't see... We don't see sinister police patrolling everywhere all the time. No, no. We, we don't see a lot of control. It's barely a dystopia. It really is only focused on that, that um, discomfort with your role. Right, right. And so if you aren't divergent, uh, it seems like it's not too bad. I mean, obviously... I like it. we we don't know whether the other the the other factions have similar qualifying tests like uh dauntless do but uh mm -hmm. you know do you have to Yeah, that was the scary part. Do you have to, you have to that prove that you're whatever selfless enough to be part of abignation? I don't know quite how that would work. Like that was where the 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 rug gets pulled out from under you. It's like you have to be this faction. You can't change. You've made this choice, and now you might get washed out. Again, something that can happen in college. Right. 
Um, and the, the author actually wrote this while she was still an undergraduate. Um, and therefore, and, and, and there's an implication that that's, that's actually a new thing. Right, which is probably connected to the erudite takeover. Right, so they previously just let everybody in. It just, you would be like a crappy <laughs> dauntless. Okay, so this is on the low end of scariness. I, I would say, say so, yeah. If we put... I mean, obviously, uh, once things start to break down, as we see sort of at the end of the movie, things get substantially scarier. But when it's actually yeah. going as a society, it seems to be fine. Yeah, and we see, I mean, we see the toll that being a divergent takes on four, that he's quite lonely in that sense, does a lot of brooding, mm -hmm. very picturesque brooding. Yep. I believe, I think he actually uh, lives like in the top of a clock tower or something too, oh, wow. or in the top of he's some really kind of deep. tower, all the better to have a balcony to brood on. <laughs> yeah. That kind of real estate don't come cheap. <laughs> How would they do? So in this segment, we talk about maybe a role that we'd like to play in this world and how we'd fit in. Okay, so I was intrigued by Amity mm. uh, because according to the film, they're defined as being cheerful. Yeah, which seems like a great thing. We never really learn anything about Amity except that they work in the fields and are happy. Yeah, and that sounds like a great place to be. Yeah, so all your food is basically, not only is it, picked by is it local mm, yeah it's uh, it's picked by people who are cheerful yeah it's this this is definitely the uh whatever 10 mile diet or knowing uh and knowing what we know now they're probably genetically engineered to be into agriculture yeah so i mean that seems like the yeah the, although i mean maybe there's one of those maybe there's like a test thing right it's like oh nope sorry you're not happy enough to be in MD. sorry Grumpy Gus's will not be tolerated. We saw you were lip-syncing along with Pharrell Williams not enthusiastically enough. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Yeah, eventually it could just become totally hellish if that's not your, uh, if you're not particularly inclined that way. Yeah, so the divergence and the amity are, like, losing their minds. <laughs> so if I can have a second option, a tattoo artist. Yeah. Because that's the only kind of art that we see in this world. I, I was wondering whether that was like somebody who, when they came to Dauntless, had a terrible fear of tattoos. And so that was like the thing. But I, f I figured erudite would be, wouldn't be too bad. Because, I mean, they're, they're the only ones that seem to actually have like modern technology, for one thing. Okay, so you want to be erudite because then you get your, your iPad. Yeah, exactly. Well, they, they you know, if I'm going to be hanging out in a dystopic future. I at least want to get the future part. It seems like such a waste otherwise. Right. What do we see of futuristic technology? Basically, well, mind control drugs, but yeah, also... Yeah, they're big on the mind control drugs. The classic touchscreen that you can see through. Right. Thus making it less effective. Less effective, but better for camera work. It's mm -hmm. Better for filming people through yeah. it. Although I feel like... Like, I think if you could get into a good group in Erudite, it would be good. Like, I've there's probably a lot of assholes in Erudite, you know, a lot of... I feel like I'm already living Erudite, so <laughs> that would not be an option. A lot of, but there's just, a, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of people who, you know, are used to being really smart and not necessarily having the best social skills or stuff and being really... 
they're not happy or courageous or selfless or honest. Yeah, but they're smart. So that still works for you? Well, like I said, like, I mean, and as we've talked about, the differences between the factions don't seem that extreme. So I still think that if you get into like a good group in in erudite, you could you know you get you could get a, a lot of uh, interesting stuff done, and you get to have all the actual trappings of modern civilization instead of you know living in an agrarian society, which seems to be what everyone else is. Hmm. Okay, so we've got it. So I would be amity or a tattoo artist. And you'd be an erudite. So presumably, if you want to be a tattoo artist, you would have to go through the standard dauntless thing first, right? You don't just... Okay, I changed just, my mind. There isn't the tattoo artist as like a separate faction. <laughs> I'm not bare-knuckle brawling with a 17-year-old. <laughs> yeah, that is very dangerous. Yeah, that'd be good. Just You yeah. sign up for dauntless. Yes, uh, hi, yeah. Uh, I signed up for the tattoo artist program in dauntless. Is that a thing? Can I be an amity tattoo artist? Yeah, maybe everybody has tattoos. You know, the uh, erudite has like, you know, tattoos of atoms and flasks. DNA strands, which some of my friends do have those kind of tattoos, uh-huh. by the way. Fractals. I have a friend, I have a friend who has one of her uh, hands knitting a, a DNA double helix. She likes knitting and biology. Nice. So yeah, I mean, it does actually touch on a real life thing of like, what do you commit to? What is your your group? Right. I like that none, none of neither of us want to actually be a divergent. Like being a divergent seems like seems terrible, really. Well, it's sort of wishy washy, really. Yeah, I mean, divergent is of course what everybody is in real life, basically, which is. You have a certain tendencies towards certain things, but you also have other things, and you can't really decide which is which. Yeah. So we're watching a movie essentially not about human beings, but about these weird, narrow, genetically engineered creatures. I guess so, yeah. Hope for the future. So this is a section where we talk about how the movie ends, essentially, and where it's going as far as hope for this dystopia. Are things going to change? Right. So, I mean, the ending of this movie, things are not doing going well. Like, this is a dystop this is a society that has existed for at least 100 years as far as we know and in relative peace, but obviously that peace is no longer happening. Yeah, it seems like they're going to be at each other's throats. Right. I mean, even though they uh foiled the plan for this particular case of killing everybody from one faction um you know the the jig is up either everyone's going to go after erudite because they try to go after other people or erudite can just try it again and do you know take control so yeah so even the leader of the erudite is still out there the dastardly kate winslet mm-hmm. the dauntless are headed on a train out of town uh, well, together. No, our, well our our, our heroes. heroes but the dauntless are free agents again right. They are the ones carrying all the guns, so there's that is positive, right? Although, yeah, I mean, you do see. <laughs> I actually have a note in my things that the the last scene of the movie, or not the last scene, but the uh, the sort of climactic scene where they're going after uh, 
Janine, is it? Kate Winslet's character? Uh-huh. Is essentially just a series of erudite nerds getting punched in the face, <laughs> trying to fight. <laughs> Stomping on their yeah. glasses. <laughs> so you've looked at the Wikipedia pages for these, and you know where this is going. We, we got a hint earlier with the revelation that the factions are actually genetically modified different groups of people, and the divergents are the ones who are like us. Right. So maybe you can give us a bit more of a hint as to where the series goes. There seems to be basically like a revolution in the city where the factionless rise up. And I mean, if we go by the numbers from the Dauntless thing, apparently like a third of all people are factionless. So it seems like... Oh, or a third of a fifth. It seems like, or depending on what rules the other factions have for rejecting people, I guess. But there's a like there seems to be a ton of factionless. Uh it's not just like one or two people who can't conform. It's actually a lot of people who are factionless. So these are all the people who got rejected from the different right. factions. And so they all join together and they're like, Hey, wait a minute. Why are we eating out of dumpsters? <laughs> there's a whole lot of us. And we have guns. So they uh they go and there's sort of a revolution and they, they take over the city and kind of decree that the faction system should be no more. And as we know, with every revolution like this, everyone lives happily ever after. Yay! <laughs> yeah, so so that that's... And, and of course, our heroes, uh, Triss and Four and everybody, are uh, get caught up in this big uh, revolution that's happening um, and, you know, have a lot of difficult decisions about who loyalties are who torn. their friends are who their their loyalties to their faction or loyalties to people and what's right and what's the law and all this sort of fun stuff maybe you're not quite as dauntless as you thought you were you're right i'm not i'm divergent Well, that's all for Divergent now, and unless we revisit it in future episodes by watching the sequels. Yeah, although now we know all the story stuff. Oops. Yep, that's all right. <laughs> Dude. Yep, so thanks for listening. Yeah, thank you very much. And join us in two weeks when we'll be talking about the movie The Host from the book by Stephanie Meyer. So yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you very much for listening, and... As a reminder, uh, this podcast, as well as uh, all the other podcasts on LoadingReadyRun.com, are supported by our Patreon at patreon.com slash LoadingReadyRun. And our theme music was composed by Bradley Rains. So thank you very much for listening, and we will uh, talk to you again in two weeks. Bye-bye.
Ci vediamo. <ride> Perfetto.